Hello! Welcome to the Crib Notes Podcast. I'm your host, Dylan Wall. So, friends, every week there are about 25 of you who listen to the show within an hour or so of it being posted. First of all, you are awesome, and I love you. Secondly, I want to try something this week. Most Crib Notes episodes wind up with about 50 listens by the end of the week, which means that if each of you share this episode with one other person and they listen to it, we will have raised the Crib Notes listener base by 50%, which would be dope. So let's try it, and I'll report back how we did next week. You rock, friends. Okay, so now, for all of you who are new to the show, crib notes are a concise set of notes used for quick reference, usually during a speech or a test. In the next 10 minutes, we're going to give you the crib notes version of the major headlines from the past week. In each episode, we cover the White House, Congress, national headlines, international headlines, climate change, and some side story that doesn't quite fit into any of those categories. As always, a link to all of my sources can be found in the description of the episode. Okay, it's a wild one this week, friends. Here we go. The White House. Trump made headlines last week when he made the unorthodox move of accepting an offer to meet with North Korean leader Kim Jong-un. I'll say right up front that not much is concrete on this yet. To that point, the offer came through a South Korean diplomat, and as of Wednesday, the White House still had not actually heard directly from North Korea. Despite the lack of determined time, place, subjects, and official invitation from the actual participants of the meeting, every news outlet seems to be talking about it, and Russia, China, and South Korea have all expressed their support for the meeting to take place. No sitting US president has ever met with a North Korean leader before, so if or when it happens, it will certainly be news. But we're going to wait for something concrete before we talk about it in too much detail on this show. Making this matter even more complicated for the White House is the fact that Trump fired Secretary of State Rex Tillerson on Tuesday. Tillerson and Trump have butted heads many times in the year and some change since Trump took office and gave Tillerson the job, and his removal was considered more a question of when than if. Still, the timing is curious, given the delicate situation with North Korea. Trump plans to replace Tillerson with current CIA Director Mike Pompeo, a vocal Trump supporter. Congress. A special election was held on Tuesday in Pennsylvania to replace Republican Representative Tim Murphy, who resigned recently after a story broke about him urging a woman with whom he had an affair to get an abortion. The race was so tight that voters went to bed with the results still too close to call. But on Wednesday, the count finished with Democrat Connor Lamb officially the victor by just 627 votes. In 2016, Trump beat Clinton in that district by nearly 20 percentage points. Nevertheless, Connor Lamb will become a member of the House of Representatives, continuing the trend of sitting presidents having a negative effect on their party's down-ballot elections. National Headlines Around the country on Wednesday morning, students at thousands of schools walked out of classes in protest of Congress's inability to pass gun control measures. Many of the walkouts were scheduled to last for 17 minutes in honor of the 17 victims who died in the mass shooting in Parkland, Florida exactly one month before. Hundreds of students gathered at the White House and stood in silence for 17 minutes with their backs to the building before breaking into a chant of, We Want Change. It's estimated that 150,000 students took part in the walkout, making this an unprecedented feat of organized youth protest in recent history. Despite these efforts, gun control measures in Congress seem poised to fail once again. Plenty of bills have been authored. In fact, there is a bill that expands background checks, which has 69 co-sponsors in the Senate, which is about as bipartisan as you can get in the 100-seat chamber. But Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, a Republican, has so far blocked the bill from even being debated on the Senate floor. 
And just to give you a sense of how pervasive the NRA's influence is here, let me tell you what that background check bill actually does. It offers incentives for states to provide data for the FBI's instant criminal background check system, but it would not require anyone to do anything. And even a modest proposal like that, despite majority support among American voters, can't seem to get past the first hurdles of Congress. So I'm gonna speak, not necessarily editorially, but personally here. A lot of times when I talk about this issue, we eventually get to the question of, so what can we do? Vote. The NRA, which I don't think anyone denies is the main reason gun control laws can't get any traction in Washington, funds candidates who will support their interests. So if this is an issue you truly care about, the next election season, look up your candidates' stances on guns. Right there in the voter guide that gets mailed to you each election season, under the candidates' names there is often a list of what organizations endorse them. If you see the NRA on that list, that should give you a pretty clear idea of how they will vote about guns. On the NRA's website, they have an interactive map where you can find elections happening in your state and look up the NRA's official grade on gun issues for each candidate. I've linked it in the show notes. Your right to vote is one of the strongest tools you have in a democracy. The information you need to stay informed is at your fingertips. Midterms are in less than eight months and a bunch of senators and every single member of the House of Representatives is up for re-election. The first link in my show notes this week is to the website where you can register to vote. So if you're not registered or if you've moved recently, I strongly encourage you to take the five minutes to go to vote.gov to register now. International headlines. On March 4th, a former Russian spy turned British spy named Sergei Skripal was found alongside his daughter, both unconscious, on a park bench in Salisbury, England. They were rushed to the hospital, where they are still listed as being in critical condition. It was determined that they were poisoned by a nerve agent called Novichok, considered one of the most dangerous and lethal nerve agents in the world, eight times more potent than VX, which was used to assassinate Kim Jong-un's half-brother last year. Novichok is an extremely rare poison, known to have been created at the tail end of the Cold War by the Russian government. Experts say the Kremlin has kept the recipe for this nerve agent very closely guarded, so it is largely assumed that the only significant stockpile in the world is probably in the hands of the Russian government. British Prime Minister Theresa May said it was highly likely that Russia was behind the chemical attack. Two days later, May announced that, among other retaliatory measures, 23 Russian diplomats living in Britain had one week to clear out. Moscow then publicly denied any part in the attack and said that any attempt to remove Russian diplomats from England would be met with a, quote, serious response. In addition to the rest of the damning evidence, this is not the first time Russia has been suspected of attacks in the UK. US intelligence agencies have linked 14 deaths in Britain to Russia, each of them somehow identifiable as enemies of the Kremlin. So that's where we are, and at this point in the story, I have many questions. It seems like Russia did it. But if Russia was behind the attempted murder, why would they use a nerve agent that is so uniquely and identifiably tied to them, knowing that they would get pinned for it? Some speculate that the whole point was probably to send a threatening message to enemies of the Kremlin, which would explain why they'd want it to be obvious it was them. But if that's the case, why leave the victims out in public, where they are likely to be seen and rescued? And how is it that one of the most potent poisons in the world didn't kill either victim? Which leads me to a series of extremely speculative conclusions, some of which directly contradict each other. I won't even bother sharing them until we have more information. What I will say is that tensions between the UK and Russia have escalated immensely in the past week and a half, so no doubt we will be revisiting this story. Climate Watch. 
One of the many ways scientists and some legislators hope to address climate change is by embracing biofuels. The term biofuel essentially refers to fuel that is grown, as opposed to fossil fuels like petroleum, which are extracted. Ostensibly, biofuels are net zero emitters, since they release CO2 when burned, but absorb CO2 when grown, which cancels itself out. However, when assessing the emissions from seed to car engine, you have to take into account other environmental factors as well, such as fertilizers and water used in the growing process, fuel used to transport the plants from their fields to a refinery, fuel used in moving the refined biofuel to dispensaries, etc. A study released this week looked at various biofuel sources and scenarios to try to determine the most cost-effective and resource-effective plants that we might use to convert this fossil fuel-hungry world to a biofuel-based system. They found that things like corn and soy, traditionally used in such endeavors, require too much fertilizer and water to be prime candidates. Instead, something like switchgrass might be a prime choice, as it can thrive on what is known as marginal cropland, which is farmland that isn't fertile enough for most crops. In all the scenarios tested, emission estimates dropped considerably from our current gasoline system, but they dropped most considerably when coupled with a carbon tax, which would provide disincentives for fossil fuels, and would also provide enough revenue to incentivize the initial agricultural investments. There's a great article about this in the show notes, way down at the bottom, so go check it out if you're interested. Side story. Stephen Hawking, the legendary physicist who made it his life's mission to understand the universe, famous for his work on black holes and relativity, and who was the first person to explain quantum mechanics in a way I could understand, died Tuesday night at the age of 76. There is much to be said about this remarkable human being, and no shortage of articles detailing his accomplishments. So I will simply point you once again to the links in the show notes, and also leave you with this clip. I have always been acutely aware of time, and how much I have left. I have been able to use science to extend my life longer than I ever thought possible. But isn't mortality what makes us truly human? Perhaps, like the universe, we are meant to be unbounded, but not infinite. That's it for this week, friends. If you like the show, you can subscribe, rate, and review it on iTunes. You can also go to patreon.com slash dylanwall to become a sustaining subscriber. You'll get fun rewards for signing up as a monthly donor starting at just $1 a month and ranging from a personalized thank you card and a shout out on the air, all the way up to a guaranteed Crib Notes in Focus episode on the topic of your choice, and a grand prize of being a guest host on my other podcast, Pop-Up. So if you got 12 extra dollars this year, that's just $1 per month, about 25 per Crib Notes episode. Consider using it to help make this show happen by going to patreon.com slash dylanwall. You can find that link in the show notes. You can also follow us on Twitter at CribNotesCast. If you have questions, concerns, corrections, suggestions, or have your own theory about the almost murder in the UK, feel free to email me at thecribnotespodcast at gmail.com. You can find that email address as well as a link to all my sources in the description of this episode. To be clear, I won't report your crazy theory, just like I won't report my crazy theory but I would still love to hear it because this story keeps me up at night. Friends, you're great. And if there's any news next week, I'll talk to you then.